I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. And we're just a couple of B-I-T-C-H-E-S's. Bitches. <laughs> that relates to something we'll talk about. Oh, I can't wait. Um, it's Monday. Mm-hmm. So we're a day late again. Why is that? We, we had friends over for the first time to our new place on Saturday. Uh-huh. And there was a lot of wine. And lost our minds. And you didn't go to bed until 6 a.m. This is true. It was also daylight savings. which Daylight savings betrayed us. Because yes. even I was... I went to bed closer to 1. But still woke up at my usual 5 a.m. So, yeah. So the day was already kind of jacked. But it was... You had... We both had fun. Yes, we did. We watched uh, a film... We watched Deep Water, mm-hmm, which we still have to review. Yes, um, but feeling refreshed. Oh yeah, not really. <laughs> we, the people need to know that someone lies. Well, I don't feel uh, wrecked. No, and neither, neither do you look it. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think you were more hungover than I was. You drink a lot more than I do. Which is the norm, but... Well, uh, okay. Well, you do. Okay, well, you know... I can you help. go harder than I do in general. Uh-huh. So I wasn't... I mean, I wasn't fucked up on Sunday, but I was definitely tired. I was tired. I, I felt fuzzy. I didn't have a headache. Well, you know. Here we are. I mean, it's, it was just... <clears throat> it's just a little... It's just a little wine. RuPaul's Drag Race, Season 14, oh, Episode... Yeah. <laughs> Episode uh, 10, which was the Snatch Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. One of the, maybe the worst Snatch Game ever. I think it was the worst Snatch Game. Because almost every other one has had like a great highlight. Even the one with Latrice and, what was that? The one who did Beyonce. What was her name? The little Puerto Rican, right? The little trans girl. Yeah. No, this was the worst. It just wasn't funny. And the person who won was all right. Compared yeah. to everyone else, she was the best, but... But yeah, she was kind of just doing the, th- you know... Well, let's go through. So, uh, the contestants for Snatch Game, uh, their characters were... So, Angeria was... Tammy Brown. Bosco was... Gwyneth, Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow. Who she couldn't say Goop, yeah. so she kept saying Droop. Yeah. Which I thought, well, we'll get just into say, it. Just say, well, okay. Diabetti. Uh, oh, Ozzy Osbourne. Deja Sky, Lil John, Jasmine Kennedy, uh, Betsy DeVos, Georges, was Alana Glazer, Lady Camden, William Shakespeare, a la Joanna Lumley, right, and then Willow Pill, Drew Barrymore. Okay, so Angeria is Tammy Brown. <laughs> so RuPaul goes into the workroom like he normally does and talks to a selection of the queens to ask about their choice. And, you know, Tammy Brown has a history on Drag Race of having sort of a... Contention. Contention with RuPaul. So when Angeria says Tammy Brown, RuPaul's like, oh, okay, interesting. Uh, And initially, Angeria is doing Tammy like sort of the weird, quirky mannerisms. And it was cute. Like clam-happy Tammy, yeah. It was cute, but I was worried. 
<laughs> I was worried. And ultimately, it was very one note. Yep. She just kept doing the same weird... She looked funny, but... Not like Tammy. She had hair like Tammy, but then because Tammy wears curly hair sometimes, on Angeria, it didn't look... The, the hair Angeria wore looked like it would be her hair, mm-hmm. but then it was styled in a way that Tammy would wear. So she looked... I actually thought she looked more like... Who's that lady... Yvette Brown, or the one who's like popular on social... The the vegan? Yes. What's her name? Oh, that Olivia played on... uh... Oh, I was just told to look up some smackdown between her and Wendy Williams. That's right. Whatever that lady's name is, I thought Angeria looked more like her to be, so I didn't think it was good. Okay, Bosco is Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, also, Tammy Brown does Tammy Faye Baker makeup, because that's one of her muses, and... That's right. I didn't get that from Angeria at all. No, but she was also not looking directly. She kept part of her man. Her part of her thing was to sort of look down and then sort of her body language. It was just very. She was stuck doing one thing. Yeah. Okay, Bosco is going to Paltrow. I think I like Bosco a lot. He's very. I think he's a favorite. Yeah. Or well, I think Bosco's trans. So. Oh yeah. Yes, that's so, true. So, uh, so several of. I believe she. So Bosco. They. Uh, they. Oh, it's they. I don't know. I'm not sure Bosco's preferred pronouns. So I'll just say Bosco. So Bosco... Um, very smart. Yes. I thought might do well as Gwyneth Paltrow. But the problem is Gwyneth Paltrow's not very interesting. <sighs> and I think my impression of her personality is that she's kind of like pretentious but grating yeah grating because she's one of those pretentious sort of like very wannabe like liberal progress i don't not wannabe but like she presents herself as very like progressive and non-traditional and then just because of the website goop it just seems like she's yeah she's just pretentious she's she definitely rubs me the wrong way and i uh but i think that bosco could have gone a lot further with that and then the voice was a bit distracting. The voice was distracting, and, and Bosco brought out like a candle because you know everyone knows Gwyneth has that damn candle that's supposed to smell like her vagina. And then he brought out uh, Bosco brought out like some sort of kombucha, but it was in like a old it was kombucha. Oh, kombucha! That's what it was. That's why they blocked. That's that. right. You're right. But then it was in like a old used gallon water bottle. It just looked raggedy, and yes. So that was, and it was taken out during a time like he he used the timing was off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Diabetti is Ozzy Osbourne. I have to say, as much as I can't stand Diabetti, I did think that choice was the choice is interesting, but it was it was a trash performance. I don't think it was the worst. It wasn't the worst, but it wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. But I thought you know. I just don't. I think Diabetti has a shitty personality, and it comes across in almost everything. True. I also don't does. want to pay her compliments, but uh, the, her shtick, which she was just copying answers from Bosco, uh, as it was, you know, the way it was edited, it seemed like Dia copied two answers from Bosco. Yeah. As but as in that was Ozzy's character shtick because his mind is gone. Maybe I, which I, didn't translate. It yeah, didn't translate. It, it, it didn't work. Okay, Jasmine Kennedy is Betsy DeVos. I thought that was a smart choice. Very smart choice, but... we don't know... Like, most people's impression of Betsy DeVos is that she wasn't qualified for her job. And then because she doesn't have a distinct personality, that's a character, a person someone could really take liberties with. But I think Jasmine is not... Um, 
Jasmine's a comedian, not, obviously. Jasmine's <laughs> not old enough to kind of work... Because you could have turned Betsy DeVos into this frazzled, fibromyalgic cesspool of things. And, you know, she could have spelled words wrong uh, on the card. Like, there, there's so many things you there could have done There were a lot of her. things, and I think... I think Jasmine just isn't a comedian and didn't realize that, you know, how to develop a character and what the direction Jasmine chose it's just didn't work. Like, well, what's his name did with Melania Trump? You know, there's a way to, there's Aquarius a way to, approach to Melania Trump. There's a was, way to do things with despicable people. That's <laughs> well, that worked you know, very but, well. Yeah. Okay. George's is Alana Glazer. I, I don't know who Alana Glazer is. Yes, you do. She, we reviewed a film with her in Pierce Brosnan. Uh, what was the name of that last year? Okay, I remember that movie, and I know she. So I remember the lady in it. I could not have told you that was Alana Glazer. Okay. So <clears throat> I don't know this lady's personality at all, but from the moment Georges gets introduced as Alana Glazer, I was like, "Ooh, this is not going to be good." <laughs> yeah. Oh, the movie is false. False positive. We're false positive. About. But, but uh, Alana Glazer is known for um, Broad City. Yeah, so even though I don't know who Alana Glazer is, I felt like Georges was not doing this character justice because he just wasn't funny. No. Okay, I was so confused by Lady Camden Shakespeare because in the workroom, RuPaul says, oh, well, what's your other choice? Joanna Lumley, who we all know is Patsy from Absolutely Fabulous. And RuPaul says, well, this is great because no one knows how William Shakespeare behaved, so you can take liberties. Wouldn't it be funny if... William Shakespeare acted like Patsy from Abfab. And Lady Camden goes, yes, that's perfect. But then this motherfucker shows up on the panel as William Shakespeare, but like a woman. Well, so it almost felt like he thought, like he interpreted RuPaul's comment as like, oh, combine Shakespeare with Joanna Lumley aesthetically. And I thought it was super distracting. It's super, it didn't, it's distracting, but also, you know, he didn't play on any, the term drag comes from, Elizabethan era, dressed as a girl in stage notes, like there, you know. Well, I think that would have been the smart thing to play on. There, there's all kinds of things. To play it's on. sort of like gender issues that pertain to Shakespeare. Well, because women pro- weren't allowed on stage, right? You know? Right. So, I, yeah, I think he should have done that. But then he should have done it talking like Patsy, maybe. Or the reveal is <clears throat> that William Shakespeare was a woman. Or that. You know? So, yeah, like he could have been done up and then removed because he his outfit, he had breasts. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, maybe he should have revealed the breast. Like, actually, I'm coming out as trans. Yeah, or, yeah, something. 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 You know, Virginia Woolf had an essay about Shakespeare's sister, as in if, if Shakespeare had a sister, you know, basically how she would have been neglected. Uh, even if she was just as brilliant. Uh, you know, there's so many things. There's so many things. Willow Pill is Drew Barrymore. I was so disappointed because Willow is like a fave. Yeah. And very smart and seems to... Willow's comedic timing seems to be very much intact. Mm-hmm. But clearly that she, uh, Willow does not is not a comedian, is not a comedy writer. Again, because <laughs> you know, this is where, this is where, you know, sometimes people make decisions to do something off the cuff and that works for them. But if you're a, somebody that she research, like the research that wasn't there that, that <clears throat> fucked her up was she, forgot, she didn't realize that Drew Ru- Barrymore and RuPaul have worked together. Yes. Because she's, Acts like she's meeting RuPaul for the first time. And then RuPaul says, oh, well, interesting. You forgot we spent an entire summer working together. So that was cringy and a terrible start. She didn't recover from that. No, but I think 
like one of the judges said, it seemed like Willow was just sort of looking for to RuPaul for like approval. And it's yeah. like, well, now's not the time because yeah. you're just not being funny. And then lastly, Deja Sky's Little John. I think that's a very smart choice because Little John has a um, an affect and vocal cues that are extremely recognizable. And that carried him throughout the entire performance. Yeah. Because all he did was go, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, for literally the entire thing. So, you know, lucky for him, everyone else was garbage and he won. Oh, but that runway... Oh, Ooh. yes, we have to talk about the runway. So the runway theme was Holy Couture. And I was so confused. Uh, this also a disappointing runway across the board. There okay. were some highlights, but... Um, I liked Bosco because Bosco came out in like a, like a nun's habit and then tore it off and was sort of wearing a very basic like... BDSM. BDSM style, super basic with like... Uh, ram's hooves or whatever yeah. like goat hooves I mean it was it's, it gave me my nunsploitation uh, that I needed it definitely fit the theme but then other people oh and then um, De- Deja was dressed like Joan of Arc but it was very party city oh it looked bad it looked cheap but it definitely fit the theme and then one other per oh well I mean Angeria ugh, Angeria oh Angeria to me is when I heard the theme Holy Couture, I thought someone would dress up like a church lady. Yeah. And Nigeria showed up looking like the quintessential church lady. So, like, very preacher's wife. So I thought that made sense. But then, like, fucking Diabetti is wearing, like, a bridal gown that looked like she got it from a thrift store. It's too short. It's, like... And then she just covered it with, like, crosses and this terrible wig that I know is a reference to, like, Lady God. I thought that shit looked cheaper than Deja Sky's outfit. Well, and then she fell. And then she fell. <laughs> but the one that who confused me the most was Willow Pill. Because she came out dressed like fungus. And I didn't... She, worship, she worships mushrooms. Because uh, she microdoses for her health. Yeah. But I thought that was a stretch. No, Well, I don't know. Maybe the bigger stretch was damn Lady Camden. Because this bitch, bitch comes out dressed like all the Spice Girls combined. And says she worships the Spice Girls. Yes, I think it becomes... The, the theme is not what you worship. The theme is, I think, a recognized... Uh, I, you know, Willow's... You could have turned that into something Wiccan, something worshipping the earth. Uh, I think pagan. there are certain themes where it's open to interpretation and it's fun to see how people interpret it. But to me, Holy Couture, there's a very clear sort of idea of what that should be. And I was very bothered by Lady Camden and Willow Pill. Even though they both looked fine to me, it didn't match the theme. Yeah. But the biggest gag of this episode is no one goes home. because I, I, Ru- Even though they're all being in the doghouse. So now this is the fifth episode, fourth. I don't remember. Fourth, fifth. But you know, that Paramount Plus money must be good. I don't know. Now there's another episode where no one goes home. And then we still have that golden ticket floating around. But RuPaul says, aside from the winner, all of y'all were garbage. Somebody... So next week we're going to do a lip sync Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza, whatever, to determine who's going home. So of course, we're assuming more than one person will go that, home. That could week. be too. But you know what? Somebody should have been that damn uh, golden ticket on Snatch Game. <gasps> that Well, they didn't know about the golden... They wouldn't have had time to make a costume. That's true. But that would be an excellent... Oh, yes. Maybe next season, Snatch yes. Game, someone should be the golden <laughs> ticket. 
<laughs> Someone should be the golden ticket. Okay, moving on to um, RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world. Oh, that happened too. That yeah. happened. We have a winner. Wait, who won? Oh, yes. Wait, yes. we talked about that, didn't we? No. So there were only six episodes, which I don't know. It just seems so cheap in comparison because obviously U- US Drag Race will have 38 episodes this season. <laughs> but then... UK versus the world, which has much lower production quality. The lighting is very questionable. And then it only took six episodes to get a winner. Uh, I think, you know, now that you say it's the first season that's untested as a platform, a platform, a tangent of this universe, which I think explains why we got who we got for the US Queens. Yeah, I feel like it was bargain basement. (laughs) Mohart's not bargain basement, but again, availability... Mohart's not someone who, to me, RuPaul, like UK versus the world, or I, I heard from someone that next time it'll be Canada versus the world. To me, it sounds like it should be like the Olympics. Like the best of the best are going. Like winners or top threes. Or, sure. Yeah. And yeah, Jujubee is the ultimate top three. So I guess she fits, but it's like no one thinks Jujubee is going to win. Jujubee's, who, what's the, who's the, the, the member of the Supremes that got kicked off and died? Mary uh, Wilson? Was it Mary No, Wilson? no, no. Flo? No. Yeah, I think it's Flo. But, that's anyway. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> to this woman. So, this final episode, they have to do a lip sync smackdown for the crown. Ugh. Which is so boring. Yeah. It's so well, boring. especially when it's like you. Know, not all of them can dance, so not all of them can dance. The songs just don't feel like oh, you those know. Songs. Ugh. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. One of them was like Domino by Jesse J. I know there was a Duran Duran song. There was um, a Kylie Minogue song. Mo Hart goes up. So first is Mo Hart against Bag of Chips, and of course Mo Hart wins. Mm-hmm. And then in the final, it's Mo Hart versus. So then. Uh, Whatever. And then it's Blue Hydrangea versus Jujube. Blue Hydrangea sends Jujube off. And then in the end, it's Blue Hydrangea versus Mo Hart. And they lip sync to the Kylie Minogue song. Mm -hmm. I thought Mo Hart looked better. Mo Hart looked like she could have been in the Kylie Minogue video. Sure. But Blue Hydrangea was like like putting in overtime. She's like, I'm hungry for this award. And in that case, I feel like she deserved it because Blue Hydrangea the entire season was playing really hard. Yes. And I do appreciate that. And she made, you know, that controversial controversial choice to send home Pangina Heels. So I, I do respect that we got to watch for only six episodes. This uh, one person tried the hardest to she win. She did, but, you know, I think ultimately the one that probably deserved it might have been Pangina, had she made it. I also like Janie Jacquet. I like Janie Jacquet a lot. I think Pangina deserved it. Um, Jimbo, I'm increasingly disappointed. Like, as a drag queen stellar, as a human being, um, uh, you know, you can take him somewhere. Uh, <laughs> like, I felt very bad for Pangina uh, cause in that episode, I remember now, because... Jimbo starts going in on Pangina for eliminating him, and it's just like, you know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. get the fuck over yourself. I'm yeah, so tired of that. True. Uh, okay, moving on. Did you know Liza Minnelli is still alive? Yes, I did. Oh, I did it. <laughs> Her birthday was recently, and I, it popped up you know, on my thing. You know who I was more surprised of that was alive was uh, the woman who voices Ursula, the sea witch, mm. uh, Pat O'Connor. Yes. Because she was born in 27. She's still, she's still with it. And we were looking up photos of her 
And I, she looks like a good time gal. She does. Well, and she would, you know, my fantasy is to somehow make friends with like a old bitchy lady. Mm-hmm. And we can just like go sit and drink wine during the day and just be nasty and mean about everyone. Like that, that she seems like someone who I could have done that with. Oh, I, I, there are still people you can do that with. <laughs> I know. If there are any uh, older women who just want to sit and be miserable with me and talk about everyone, I would love that. Oh. <laughs> Uh, what's the worst food you ever ate? Uh, chicken feet in a Chinese restaurant, like an authentic, authentic chicken feet, like the dish where they bread them. And was that in Toronto? That was with your friend in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. This, this question popped up and I was like, let me think about it. And my mind always goes to, um, when we were in Nebraska and we stopped at that Mexican restaurant. That's not the worst food I've ever had. It was some of the blandest but when i think about that question that is what pops up is we went to this mexican restaurant that had a sign in like kind of rural nebraska that said best mexican food in nebraska oh they were in the papers darling they, and they had all these newspaper articles everywhere and child we ordered this food and every dish looked every dish was the same like four ingredients ground, ground beef. beef canned red sauce that yeah. looked like like when, like when you buy the can of like enchilada sauce, the red one, and then tortilla and cheese. Mm-hmm. So those four ingredients and everything they made was with those four ingredients. Yes. So enchiladas, tacos, burritos, everything looked the same. And then they had the nerve to have it on a big ass plate. And then I ordered a burrito, I believe. This was a decade ago. And keep in mind that Joseph Robinson's memory... <laughs> And bitch, I all I remember is that bland, just so much ground beef. They they gave me like two pounds of ground okay. beef. Actually, now that in perspective, this was over a decade ago, and yeah. But when because I was thinking, what's I've had food that I didn't care for, but it was not like like having chicken feet is like well, I'm sure it was prepared in a uh, way. Yes, and I am very reasonable when it comes to like, like like if we go somewhere nice and. If I order something, I want it served the way the chef intended. So I'm not going to make substitutions. And if it's too much for me, I just won't even order it. So because I assume like, well, this must be delicious because an entire community of people love it. It's just I don't love whatever's in it. But yeah, when I think about the worst food I ever ate, that damn Mexican food in Nebraska. And I wish I could figure out what the name of that restaurant was because it is a travesty. Well, it's a hate crime. That restaurant was committing hate crimes with that damn well, we'll food. Well, we'll never know again. I also had frog legs that were terrible in Minneapolis. Oh. A restaurant. But also, you know, they were, they were, I believe, prepared how they're supposed to be. And I don't understand how, unless you're also a small animal what the sustenance is from that. Uh, and then maybe uh, paella in Cannes uh, at one of those tourist restaurants that it was burnt to the bottom of the dish. Can we take a quick break because I have to pee? Hold okay. on. Okay. And we're back. Normally I, would <laughs> Normally I would let you just talk for a minute, but the next thing I wanted to talk about, I think I need to be here with you. Uh, okay. So the BAFTAs winners were announced, but I don't really care about those because it's not I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not in the UK. But, uh, but Sigourney Weaver has a BAFTA. We should care about the BAFTAs. Do you want to say what she has her BAFTA for? The Ice Storm. Oh, I thought it was Snow Cake. No. Um, she was nominated for a Canadian Oscar, which I called the Genies, I believe. For okay. That. 
So, but then also the Critics' Choice Award winners were announced. Uh, okay. Do you know who won? No, I don't pay attention to those. Oh, well, so for be- so then I'm just going to name off some of the top ones and you tell me who you think won. Okay. So Best Picture. Probably just Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog did win. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I, I know you've probably seen all of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Best Picture, it, Power, The Power of the Dog, Belfast. Yeah. Coda. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Uh, that one Sundance last year, it means Child of Deaf Adult. Oh. Uh, it's a remake of a French film with Marley Matlin. Don't Look Up. Ugh. I can't believe that was nominated for Best Picture. I can. I know people thought found it amusing on some level, but I can't believe. Dune. Okay. King Richard. Okay. Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Nightmare Alley. Oh, yes. Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay. And West Side Story. Uh, yeah. Okay. Who do you think won for Best Actor? Um, was it Will Smith? Yes. Okay. Who do you think won for Best Actress? Uh, was it Nicole Kidman? Kristen Stewart? No, they were nominated, but uh, Jessica Chastain won. Oh, for Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. Okay. Um, Olivia Coleman was nominated. I I would... Okay, I've seen The Eyes of Tammy Faye, The Lost Daughter, House of Gucci, Being the Ricardos. I have not seen Licorice Pizza or Spencer, so I can't say who I think I should have won, but you've seen all of those. Uh-huh. Who Of that group, who do you think would should have won? You know, this is an interesting year for Best Actress, if you care about, you know, this type of stuff, because all of the awards are kind of different, different lady, uh, you know, the upper hand, it would seem. Uh, of those that deserve that, from that... Uh, I don't know. Probably, I would probably give it if I was in control of the world. Several of those people wouldn't be nominated, uh, but I would give it to uh, maybe Nicole. Okay. Kristen Stewart's good as Diana. Um, these billboards in LA, where somebody from Variety said that her, it's a gift to sit, her performance <clears throat> is a gift to cinema, is a little over the top, darling. But uh, yeah, she's good in it. Okay, and then I'll just name who's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So it's Troy Kotzer. I bet he won. Jamie Dornan. Ciaran Ke- Hines? Kieran. Kieran Hines? You know him. He was uh, Sigourney's husband in Political Animals. Oh, I don't recall. Jared Leto. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe that's a thing. J.K. Simmons and Cody Smith-McPhee? I bet it was either Cody or uh, Troy Kotzer. Troy won. For Coda, okay. Okay, for Best Supporting Actress, nominees were Ariana DeBose, mm-hmm. Catriona Ke- Ke- Balfi, from Belfast, Ann Dowd, oh, for Mass, okay, Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. oh, I'm about to tear this up, Anjanae Ellis, Anjanae Ellis, Anjanae Ellis, you Rita. know who that is. I'm not quite I sure. I talk about how great she is all the time, plus she, the Sigourney connection with her is a map of the world. Okay, and Rita Moreno. Okay. Who do you think won? Out of that, um, probably DeBose. Yeah. For West Side Story. Yeah. Okay. That's the Afro-Latino lady. Yeah. Oh, okay. Beautiful. But she is... She was my favorite part of that that movie. movie, Yeah. So, but... um, And then, of course, I haven't seen all of these movies, so I can't say. Um, (laughs) Okay. And then for Best Director... Probably Jane Campion. So the nom- it, it was Jane Campion, yeah. You know, she's the first woman to be nominated twice for Best Director in, at the Academy Awards. Oh! She was nominated for The Piano, of course, did not win. Um, the first woman to be nominated at the Oscars was Lena Wertmüller for Seven Beauties. So I think Campion was the second. Sofia Coppola was the third. 
and I think the distinction with Coppola was she's the first American woman to be nominated for Best Director. And then you know who won. Who? Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt oh, Locker. Oh, The Hurt Locker. Um, but you know... Uh, and Chloe Zhao, of course, won for Nomadland. Jane Campion was asked about um, okay. Sam Elliott's comments. And she said, I think Sam... What can I say? I'm sorry. He was being a little bit of a B-I-T-C-H. And I'm sorry to say it, but he's not a cowboy. He's an actor. And the West is a mythic space. And there's a lot of room on the range. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think it's a little bit sexist because you think about the number of amazing Westerns that were made in Spain by Sergio Leone. I mean, I consider myself a creator and I think he sees me as a woman or something less at first. And I don't appreciate that. <laughs> you know what, girl? You better go off because <laughs> you is right. You uh, is right. I was so upset to hear that he, what he said on Mar Mark Maron's podcast uh, about, about going off about Power of the Dog. I, I get that you might not like the film or, you know, homosexuality might make you uncomfortable, sir. But shut that the lady fuck was up. telling a story. Yes, like who's to say she can't? Who's to say she can't? And there are so many like sci-fi. I mean, all of this shit is fiction anyway. Like people are just making up stories and setting them in certain backgrounds. Well, I can't believe. It's also, do you do you think there were no homosexuals in the old west, sir? Trust there were. Like it, it that to me it's just like that. That's the irritation. It's like people want the continued erasure. Uh, of our kind of of, the, of those kind of narratives, and you know, if I give him the benefit of the doubt, it's just like he's just an old crunchy man who has a certain idea of what things should be like, and whether I agree with it or not, it's like he can have his opinion. Sure, but, he can. But 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 what's more powerful to me is that this lady let him know that he does not make any oh, damn it, sense. I mean, isn't that great? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love Jane Campion, but uh, you know, where is you know because Sam Elliott still, I believe, he's married to Catherine Ross. Where is Ms. Ross uh, in this? Did she have an opinion about her husband? Someone needs to comments? talk to him. Because Catherine Ross, you know, that was a favorite as a child. Stepford Wives uh, graduate, of course. I love her little role in Donnie Darko. Uh, anyway. Well, um, <clears throat> let's... So films that were released that we didn't cover. We covered a lot of movies, so I don't know. I think we did everything... Well, except for Fear, which was the Bulgarian selection for... Uh, which I was interested in, but we didn't watch that. All right, so the movies we watch for fun. The Nile... Well, I didn't watch any of these, but the Nile Hilton incident. That's not true. You watched one of them. Uh, yes, I watched that in preparation for our review of The Contractor starring Chris Pine. Uh, Tarek Sala's previous film, The Nile Hilton Incident, won, I think, the World Cinema Dramatic Award at Sundance in 2017, and I never saw it. I just... But it, it was good. I liked it. Uh, Faris Faris is the lead. Uh, I liked it much better than The Contractor, I think. Which wasn't bad, but... Love Affair? Yeah, I have to review that for a Criterion. Uh, Leo McCary's 1939 classic, Love Affair, starring Irene Dunn and Charles Boyer, uh, which was... Re it, the remake is probably better known by Leo McCary as An Affair to Remember with Deborah Carr and uh, Cary Grant from 1957. Which I feel like you're familiar with the story, even if you haven't seen these films, about two lovers that meet on a boat... Uh, they're both with somebody else and they decide to meet in six months in New York at the top of the Empire State Building at this time and date where they will, you know, propose, solidify their marriage plans. And right before the meeting happens, she gets hit by a taxi and becomes paralyzed. And so he waits around and then eventually runs into her again. And, um, you know, real, you know, there, there's realized what happened 
and it has kind of a hopeful ending. But anyway, I've never seen the original, which I did quite like. It's much shorter. It's only 88 minutes, and in a fair to remember is uh, almost two hours. So I actually watched all three versions of this film this week uh, in preparation for writing that Blu-ray review, including the 1994 remake with Warren Beatty and uh, Annette Bening, who of course were married, uh, which gave Katherine Hepburn her final screen role. Mm. I'm looking at the word affair, mm -hmm. and you know how like you look at a word and it's like that is not that can be how it's spelled. A f f a i r. Yeah. Uh huh. That does not seem like that would be how you spell the word affair. But I don't know how else I would spell. It. Like e f a i r. No, I don't know. That just like looking at that the spelling of this word it. It looks so weird. But anyway, okay, projects of interest. Oh, wait. There what? Were, there were other things we watched for fun. Uh, you only listed these three, unless you're talking about The Perfect Husband and Working Class Heroes. Yeah, those are on there, too. We watched those? Well, Working Class Heroes, let me talk about uh, Jasna Juracek from uh, Quovadis Aida. Uh, she had a film that was at the Berlinale that I had a screener for that I forgot about uh, called Working Class Heroes. And I watched that. And, you know, it was funny to see her kind of made up uh, and she reminds me a little bit of Diane Weiss in that film but I, a friend was telling us that uh, Working Class Heroes took like 10 years to film it, it keep, kept running out of money so they'd film a scene or two here or there so considering that it's a cohesive film is interesting but it was just so-so uh, but The Perfect Husband, the Lacey Peterson story. Oh, shit. That's the one I watched. Yes. With Dean Cain. Yeah. How did we even come upon that? You, we were look, we were sitting at home, chilling, feeling good, and you were looking for something. And <laughs> When I'm feeling good, I want to watch movies about someone killing their spouse. Murder shows. <laughs> that felt really good to me that day. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, if that's how you want to look at it. You, we, we were... Amazon had listed it as being in 1993, mm. and I said, that's impossible. This movie was made in That's what caught our attention, yeah. is that it was listed as a 1993 film, and it, it was confusing, so we turned it on. And then just kind of got wrapped up in it. Because uh, I, you know, I was graduating from high school when all of that was going down. Yeah, and I was moving to Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I very much remember Lacey <clears throat> Peterson in the tabloids and Scott Peterson. So... Initial impressions, it feels very much like a TV movie. It is. Like, it, the production quality and the acting is like, oh boy. Oh, Except, that, that camera work. Yes. But Dean Kane. Oh, yeah, he was... Looking at him was like, he really is giving me Scott Peterson from what I remember back mm. when we would get all the footage from him. Uh, so that was kind of creepy. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say it was a good movie. I wouldn't even say it was riveting. No. But but I did uh, become engrossed with the the, the thing. Um, and then Dee Wallace Stone is giving a performance. Oh, she is. Yes. So she also gives a performance. <laughs> and I love Dee Wallace Stone. Well, she might be back to Dee Wallace now. but uh, The actor playing Scott Peterson's like best friend who's like defending him. And, oh, God. Like, yeah, that was uncomfortable. Yeah, if you have Amazon Prime, check out The Perfect Husband. Uh, whatever it's called, the the murder of Lacey Peterson. The Lacey Peterson. Story. The Lacey Peterson story. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, okay, so projects of interest. Uh, is Rob Zombie remaking like or doing a, a version of the monsters? Yes, and Cassandra Peterson, aka Elvira, has signed on. She won't be playing uh, Morticia Adams. No, or, she, um, she's the not the Morticia. Major one. <laughs> That's uh, the Adams family. Who's the? She's she'll be playing the Barbara. I think. Oh. 
I'm they, very interested. They haven't cast Marilyn yet. I'm um, very interested in uh, that. Yeah, although Rob Zombie, and of course his wife is in it, Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, but the fact that Elvira's in it, yes. Uh, Firebrand, Kareem Anous. Okay, Kareem Anous is a queer Brazilian director who has a lot of films I've quite liked. He was just a jury member at uh, the Berlinale, although some of those awards. Whoever was responsible for the Best Actress and Screenplay Award at Burley Nally this year, you should be ashamed. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Kareem Anuz is doing a new project. Uh, Michelle Williams, white Michelle Williams, was just replaced with uh, Alicia Vikander playing the last wife of King Henry VIII. I believe the, the one that survived in, in that poem. Uh, with Jude Law playing the uh, dilapidated king. Uh, that sounds very interesting to me, especially from this director, because I think he's quite adept at women's stories. I want to give a shout out, speaking of Henry VIII, um, I got a chance to see, and I don't know if I've talked about this, but a production of that show Six, which oh. is on Broadway, about uh, Henry VIII's Six Wives. Mm -hmm. It was excellent. It was excellent. If, if there's a touring production in your area, you should go see it. Um, yeah. That's oh, yeah. I mean, he was a... Henry VIII was transfixing to me as a child, uh, and I, I remember I got in the local paper for making some art project we had to do where we had to make these large-scale historical figures, and I did Henry VIII with a lot of help from my mother, uh, and that got placed in the paper. But Well, moving on to the obituary section, unfortunately, there are two entries, one of which is really bothered me when I read it, and the other one, I'm not sure who this person is. The, the other one bothered me, too. Yes, you do know who he is. Well, let's start with William Hurt, because I couldn't tell you anything about William Hurt. Well, he's been in three... Because I keep... Because I was confused him with John Hurt. No. Who's and I only know the one who played... The little queer-looking one. John Hurt. So I'm more familiar with John Hurt. Like okay. what he looks like, sure. But I don't. I couldn't tell you who William Hurt is. Well, that's a travesty because he his Oscar winning performance of Kiss of the Spider Woman was one of the few things that I got to see that was flamboyant and gay as a kid. All I know about acceptable. Kiss of the Spider Woman is that Vanessa Williams played the lead character on Broadway. Not the lead character. Oh. She played the Spider Woman, which is Sonia Braga in the film. Which is oh, a, then I don't a, even know what the story is about. Then it's about two men locked up in a Brazilian prison, and William Hurt's character is gay. So who's the lead character, William Hurt? William Hurt and Raul Julia. Oh, from the Adams Family? Yeah. Oh. Well, he's, he's dead. Yes, since like 1994. He died young. Yeah, I think he had a heart thing, if I remember. Anyway, I can't believe you haven't seen that, but that is must-see uh, viewing to me. I think, who directed that? Hector Babenko. Anyway, uh, William Hurt, you do know him. He's been in three Sigourney Weaver productions. Which are? Eyewitness. I don't remember that. Where he plays... The There's a poster of it in our guest room. Yeah, there That's sure all is. I know. You don't remember he plays the janitor that says he saw a murder so he can get close to the news the news anchor that he finds attractive? Nope. And then the killer starts coming after him? Mm-mm. Okay, you've seen it. Uh, the Village. Mm, I know The Village. He's the one that has a thing with Sigourney even though he's married to someone else in The Village. I know Sigourney's in it. I know Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Mm -hmm. I know Opie's daughter is in it. Bryce Dallas, yeah. Okay. But I don't know who he is. Adrian Howard, Adrian Brody is in that. Anyway. He is? Oh, yeah. that's oh, he plays a special needs person. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Which, you know what? I remember, you know, because I follow every project very closely. I want to say, like, initially Ashton Kutcher was announced in that role or something crazy. Oh, wow. Uh, that would have been a mess. Uh, anyway... 
And then the What's third, the third one? Uh, Vantage Point. Nope. Where you play? I know Forrest Whitaker's in it. Uh, Dennis Quaid. I couldn't tell Zoe you. Zoe Saldana. Definitely didn't know that. Okay. Well, they all those people are. Well, so you have a top five William Hurt list. I think there might be more like seven, but. So you put top five, but then you listed seven movies. Like he, he how does that make I sense? I felt again. It's like Ivan Reitman dying. It's like wow. I, it just. But he was old. William Hurt was seven. Well, he's seventy-one. Oh, he wasn't that old. Right. It just. I don't know. Another. This might be a secret film sometime because it's. It is a favorite. Um, his debut was in Ken Russell's Altered States. Well, let's go through your top seven. So, Kiss of the Spider Woman, you talked about. Yeah. Altered States. Yeah, Ken Russell film. Excellent. Uh, I believe it's 1980. Uh, Ken Russell's, you're familiar with, because uh, The Devils is in my top ten of all time. Okay. Which you've seen. Okay. Uh, and didn't we just watch... Oh, we watched The Lair of the White Worm. That's a Ken Russell film. I would recommend that movie. Yeah, so... it <laughs> For fun. Yes, Altered States is a lot of fun. And uh, anyhow. Body Heat. You've also seen Body Heat. We watched that with a friend in Minnesota. Uh, it's a remake of Double Indemnity, of course, directed by Lawrence Kasdan, uh, William Hurt, and Kathleen Turner. Uh, I don't recall. Oh, it's excellent. Uh, that role was offered to Sigourney Weaver. <clears throat> who turned Broadcast it News. Uh, I just watched this for the first time a few months ago with William Hurt and Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter. Uh, if you like Network, I'd suggest watching Broadcast News. You'd like it. Eyewitness, of course. Mm-hmm. Children of a Lesser God. That's which Marley Matlin won her Oscar for. Um, over Sigourney Weaver for Aliens. Uh, which is slightly disappointing. But that's a, that's a great film, too. And, you know, the other the other thing about William Hurt is... He, okay. He had a very violent, uh, abusive relationship with Marley Matlin. I think oh. cocaine was used a lot. Marley Matlin, in her memoirs, uh, infamously said that it, you know, she has to turn away anytime she sees him oh, on, on screen or anything because the, I think they had a very... But they starred together in that movie um, and they had a relationship. You know, he also had a kid with Sandrine Bonaire, the hmm. French actress. Uh, you're familiar with her from La Ceremony with Isabelle Huppert. Mm. She played the illiterate one with the bangs. No. <gasps> yeah. It's coming back to me. Okay, yeah. Isabelle's young. Well, ninety about four. They kill some people. They kill the family that. Okay, yes, I do remember that movie. Yes, um, but he had a child with Sandrine Monaire, which I was thought was interesting, and he's he appears in several French films. He did a film with uh, Catherine Deneuve called Nearest to Heaven. You have Alice on here. Is that with Kiki Palmer? No, God no. Oh. <laughs> 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 Sorry to this woman, but Kiki Palmer's <laughs> Alice is is terrible, uh, which, is, which comes out next week. Uh, no, this is the 1990 Woody Allen movie starring oh. Mia Farrow, and William, <laughs> William Hurt is in that, and I, I do quite like that film. Well, goodbye, William Hurt. The uh, person who passed who really made me feel away is Tracy Braxton. Yeah, that was shocking. Tracy Braxton is um, Tony Braxton's sister. Um, I think there are six siblings, and Tracy was the second oldest because Tony's the oldest. In my I, in my mind, I always thought Tracy was the oldest. But, but Tracy was fifty. She died from uh, esophageal cancer. So um, I watched, and so did you. Uh, but I watched all of Braxton Family Values, which was their reality TV show. Can't tell you what those values are, but yes. And you know, 
famously in the first two seasons, tra- you know, it, like every reality show, like Real Housewives, where each character comes up in the intro credit and they have a, a like a tagline. And Tracy's for the first two seasons was that she was kind of like a wannabe and a, it was not positive. Mm-hmm. And that was a big point of contention in her storyline for the first two seasons of that reality show. And then they ended up switching it up to cast her in a more positive light. But, you know, she had harbored a lot of uh, negative feelings towards her sisters because when Tony Braxton, they all sang and they all had aspirations except the brother to be singers. So they, you know, made demo tapes and they went and saw record executives and they did get a record deal, all of the sisters except Tony. Like, so Tony got her own thing going on and then the rest of the sisters got a deal. But then Tracy became pregnant Mm -hmm. and they just left her in the dust as she, that was her sentiment. Mm-hmm. So she always felt like she was kind of like the black sheep, as she would say, or the dark horse. I don't know. She she said some phrase all the time, but um, because her other sisters went off to make an album, and then the youngest Tamar had more of a career, and but and then the three sisters, Tracy, I'm sorry, Trina, Tawanda, and Tamar, mm-hmm. for years and years have sang back up for, for Tony. Tony. Yeah, yeah. So Tracy was always sort of like on the side. But Tracy um, got married. She'd been married, I think when she passed, she'd been married for 25 years. She had a child. She ran a beauty salon. And I always thought she seemed really, really sweet. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a fighter. Well, especially compared to Tamar. And then, you know, Trina, I remember, what I, from what I remember, Trina's storyline is like... Well, her Canadian accent. Well, <laughs> yes, that, that interesting accent. And then that... How did a black lady from the DMV uh, end up with a Canadian accent? And then her, <laughs> poor, and then the, her poor husband going through the ringer, I, I remember feeling oh. like, could you just like make an honest attempt to get back with that man or leave him alone? I know, um, that was an awkward That was line. awkward. And then uh, Tawanda just... Poor Tawanda. Tawanda. Uh, but yeah, Tracy always felt like she was fighting um, to be seen, I think. But she was only 50, which, you know, I don't, it feels very close. Like, I don't feel that far from 50. So it's like, gosh, it's just, she's so young. and Yeah. That, that's why when you said it, it was shocking. And then looking at her son posted a photo of her and she, of him, like close to her final days. And she was sitting in like a chair and looked kind of sickly and. You know, her she was kind of puffy, I'm assuming, from treatments. And so that was sad to see, but yeah. And I'm sure that her family is devastated. Oh, yeah. Because she went through her treatment and her diagnosis very silently. So it's like a surprise that she was even sick, let mm-hmm. alone having passed. But. She she was involved in that episode of uh, Ayanla, right? Yeah. Which, of course, Tamar stole all the energy all the time. She did suck up all the energy. Okay, well, moving on to our topic. So... Last week, I think we talked about the Netflix series Worst Roommate Ever. And it's a docuseries with five episodes. And we watched the first one, um, Call Me Grandma, which featured or was about a woman named Dorothea Puente. So we talked about her. But we um, ended up finishing the series and watching the remaining four episodes, which revolve around three people. Mm -hmm. Because... One of those people gets two episodes to himself. So I thought maybe we should talk about that. 
because we had a lot of conversations around the show because we our last house was a five bedroom house mm-hmm. so we decided to rent rooms in our house primarily because we had a friend already living with us who had said that he would move in with us in our new house so that was great because we liked him living with us so it was a nice transition and then you decided to go back to grad school mm-hmm. and we weren't sure if you would have to quit working in order to complete grad school good news is i didn't very fortunately you didn't have to do that but in preparation for that we thought well let's rent you know the other rooms and yeah. there was a point in time when we were renting four <laughs> of the rooms in our house there could be a sitcom about that living situation But it was kind of wild. I mean, ultimately, it ended up being very beneficial because we ended up, you know, people weren't living there for free. So we ended up with a lot of extra money that we used for other things and, you know, set us up nicely for where we are now. And so it worked out well. But um, we can talk about that after we talk about some of these episodes. So episode two is called Be Careful of the Quiet Ones. And that one was about a man named KC Joy. So he was an older Asian gentleman who moved in with this younger Latina lady and he became obsessed with her. And they lived in Orange, California, which is, you know, um, in Southern California. And he ended up becoming so infatuated with her that he spent like $10,000 on plastic surgery to look younger. Like he got facelift and eye lift and all that. And then he started dressing differently and ingratiating himself into her family because he really saw her as like an option for him. And then one day she rejects him and it does not go well. And we get a 911 recording of her calling saying, just so y'all know, I had to tell my roommate he needs to leave. And his reaction to me really scared me. So if I end up having to hurt him, I want y'all to know why. And then cut to she goes missing. Oh, God. She I, goes I didn't missing. watch this episode. You didn't see this one. But the gag is, of course, he's a suspect because he lived with her, but there was no evidence. And then they have all the footage of him being interrogated. And he even has scratches all over his arms. Mm. And the detectives are like, so where did these scratches come from? And this man had, first of all, he... He was probably like in his 50s, but he had lived for 30 years in the United States. So everyone who knew him was like, he spoke perfect English mm-hmm. with no accent. But when those police interrogated him, all of a sudden it was like, I'm fresh off the boat. Like, okay. I don't I don't speak English. So, of course, like people who knew him who were watching the video were like, mm-hmm. it was so creepy that all of a sudden he doesn't understand English. But when they asked him about those scratches, he had an answer for everything. He's like, oh... I go fishing at this one lake and there are these specific kind of like plants that have these thorns. And like, I went like I, I cast my line and got caught in the bushes. So when I took it out, I scratched my arms. So of course the detectives go investigate and they're like, yeah, actually like it's very possible that he would have got those scratches from those thorns. But what got him hemmed up is if there be thorns by VC Andrews, <sighs> What got him hemmed up is he, because of course they were watching him, and this fool went to, would go to the public library and check out a laptop, and the police had a search warrant such that their IT literally could, view, you know how you can view like someone's monitor, mm-hmm. like how my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how my IT can control my computer and see everything? Mm-hmm. 
they were doing that and they had recorded everything he was searching. So he's searching shit like, how long does it take for a body to decay? <sighs> All this shit. But the detectives were like, it's not enough to arrest him because these are legitimate questions someone might ask if they know like someone they care about is missing. Like these are curious questions. But then what got him hemmed up is this fool gets on Google Maps mm-hmm. after it's announced that they're having a memorial, like a remembrance for this lady mm-hmm. at this one trail in a, in like a park somewhere, like, like a hiking trail. Because the lady who went missing used to hike like at Runyon. It wasn't Runyon, but let's just say. Sure. Okay. So. Kenneth Hahn. <laughs> Kenneth Hahn. So, so it's announced on Facebook that they're going to have a remembrance for her. And he was very active in the Facebook group chat about how much he missed her and all this stuff. They record him looking up the address of where the remembrance is, like mm-hmm. on this trail. So they see him look it up. And we can see it too, that he looks it up. And then he goes to satellite view so he can see the actual terrain. So where the remembrance is starting is like on a main road near the trail. And then you see this motherfucker sort of like move the map mm-hmm. into like sort of a more secluded wooded area. Mm-hmm. And then zooms in on this like specific patch of trees. Mm-hmm. and that's where she is and then X's out of it and deletes the history so of course immediately the police are like uh, we're taking our ass down yeah. and they go and guess whose body is right there wow and then that's how he gets caught isn't that crazy yeah that's crazy well okay. you know also that trick sir doesn't work uh, I would believe in this day and age going to the public library and thinking that that there's no way to track what you Well, this was during the Ask Jeeves era. So this was not 2020. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. So this was before I think people understood how... It probably was even more transparent then than it is now. Like, now that people know how to... I'm not a tech person, so I don't know the language. But I'm sure there are ways people know how to be black on the internet. You know, like like unseen but back then it's like yeah you you think oh i just checked out a library laptop no one's gonna know girl <laughs> so yeah okay episode three is called marathon man and it's about a guy named yusuf cater who would also go by an alias of joseph maria <laughs> which we laughed at because my name's joseph and my mom's name is maria <laughs> but do you want to talk about joseph cater uh his story no i don't quite remember you don't remember so uh, he was so that's where it, it starts out with a young woman, uh, a white woman, who wanted to be abroad and goes to Chile. And she goes to Chile. But let's describe Yusuf Cater. So he is. He says he's Pakistani. No. <sighs> Palestinian. Oh, sorry. Palestinian. I'm sorry. I... He, he's, he lives in Denmark, but he's Palestinian. Is he his, says. Is his story. And he has this property in Chile. Chile. Where all these people from all over the world are renting. It's like a hostel. I, I believe. Oh, he owns the hostel? I thought he did. Maybe I don't not. know that he Maybe owns not. the hostel. No, he owned another... Pro- he said he owned other real Oh, estate. he said... Okay, that was Okay, it. so Yusuf Cater... Uh, so, yes. So, he is a con man. So, we find out that he has convinced these Palestinian... This Palestinian organization in Denmark that he wants to run a marathon in Brazil 
and they need to raise like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, he, he's asking them to be a sponsor. Basically. He wants them to be a sponsor. <clears throat> so he convinces them, and they raise money. Not enough. Not thirty thousand. They give him like less than half. But he takes it and goes. Mm-hmm. And then when he's in Brazil running the marathon, all of a sudden he's dis- he says he's disqualified because of an injury, and he convinces the group that it's because they're racist and all this shit. Yeah. Okay. Against Palestinians. Against Palestinians. Also, Yusuf Cater is. Some photos he looked like a handsome man. Then some photos he was kind of like swarthy. I don't know. To, I, I could I could see how in some... Well, for the ladies in question, I can see how they found him attractive. Sure. To me, I mean, you'd have to catch him at the right angle. Because sometimes he looked kind of like, you thought this man was something. But he just looked like I wouldn't trust his ass. Sure. He had well, like a tribal tattoo. I don't, but <laughs> anyway... Then, just, just so you know, Yusuf, you would not have uh, conned Joseph. Yeah, yeah, you might fool most, but you certainly wouldn't have fooled me. So then he goes to Chile and convinces other people like to... Because he runs a marathon there and convinces those Palestinian people to give him money again. Then he convinces some other guy who's part of the race to like invest in property in, with him and then ends up stealing his money. Ultimately, he owes people money. He assaults two people... All the people in the hostel with him, I believe he owes them a, a yes. large amount of money. Yeah, so he's just a hustler. But everything culminates with one of the women he assaulted, like he left, he leaves her for dead. He takes her to an abandoned like warehouse. He fools her. There are so many red flags. These, these poor little white women. Anyway, he, yeah, he leads her to this abandoned, a burned out uh, garage, like uh, via a car garage and then assaults her and basically wraps her up in some uh, tarp and leaves her for dead which was creepy it's really creepy but she makes her way out of it her eyes burning with all the chemicals in there uh you know has been bashed over the head goes back to the hostel hostel. and he's there (laughs) and she's and the way they recount the story is like she's telling everyone he tried to kill me but he but but then he convinces everyone like She's crazy. She's at the hospital. And then he suddenly leaves saying his mom died. But what gets him hemmed up is the lady who he attacked with the wrapped in the tarp. She finds an attorney who's willing to work pro bono Mm -hmm. to help her. And ultimately he gets hemmed up. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, there are two episodes. The final two episodes are called Roommate Wanted. And it's about a guy named Jameson Bachman. Do you want to talk about Jameson Bachman? Oh, okay, I'm trying to think of what happened now, though. Uh, so it revolves around. So he's a serial squatter. A serial squatter. Yeah, it's. Remember, too... he knew all the laws about squatting. That's right. I'm trying to. Th- oh, and it also starts out with. Um, I think this white woman in is it Philadelphia. Somewhere. Um, and she. Basically, her mother is helping to pay for her rent, and she she introduces the story of she needed a roommate because a roommate moved out, and her mom was on her ass. And on Craigslist, this guy answered, and he moved in. They, they met for coffee. Everything seemed fine. They met, let their dogs meet, and then she gives him the keys, makes him sign something, and then all of a sudden he shows up with not just a dog but a cat and uh, fish and then starts to slowly take over her space like in a very insidious manipulative way is what i remember uh and then and then come to find he has a history of doing this 
So, yeah, the bulk of the two episodes is sort of like how he took advantage of several people knowing he was very familiar with the law, like rental laws. And basically, like once you allow someone into your home and they start receiving mail and you can't get them out, you can't get like you just can't evict someone It like it's illegal. You can't just change the locks. So, so, so we get we go back further in time, of course, uh, to two other women, uh, one that he was romantically involved in with and that actually spent four years with him. Uh, and he stole her cats by the time she finally got rid of him. And then another one who was uh, I felt the worst for a, yeah, a, lesbian a lesbian named Sonia. I believe that's right. Who uh, she had broken up with her partner, but had but had purchased, purchased a, a con- a like con- her dream, home, her dream condo. condo. And then she. She ended up foreclosing on it because of him. But that situation... uh, That was... Because she had him in there and he started screwing her over and not paying her. But she desperately needed needed this money. So she allowed another woman to come live at the same time there in a tent. In the living room, room, she put up a tent. With cats. And let this woman who had two cats live in her living room in a tent. And he had those other cats. She was so desperate. But, you know, ultimately... So, uh, the one, oh my God, I don't, the one, the, the main lady who's talking, Alex, Alex, Mm -hmm. she's a little crazy. She, okay. Well, I shouldn't use the word crazy. She seems like she has like emotional issues and, or she's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't she seem affected? She seemed affected. She was, let me just say she was unpleasant to listen Mm -hmm. to. Uh, (laughs) but she's successful in evicting him. Yeah. He ends up going to jail for violating like a, a order of protection. Her, his brother has to bail him out, but the brother won't let him live well, he, with him. He strangled her though. Yeah, so he ends up going to jail. This Jameson Bachman guy, and then Jameson's brother bails him out, but won't let him live with him because he knows his brother is on some bullshit and has like anger issues. So the brother, so Jameson kills his brother. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. And then goes to jail, but then before his trial, he hangs himself. Yes. So he commits suicide. The end. Okay. So relating to the series, while we while I did watch all of these and they were engrossing to a point, I think, I don't know. I don't know if Netflix is trying to just pump out content, but the quality of this shit, the production value was so poor. I really needed... what? A, the, well, they did this thing across the three episodes I watched where... They photograph these people being interviewed. They film them like at the site of where things happen. And there's always like wind blowing through their hair and they have their arms crossed and there's the slope. Yes, there's a lot of fluff. Like, like there's all this like seriousness to build tension. And that that shit gets it's not so this, so you know what it is? I think that these docu-series have no investigative um, quality to them. Right, right. And or no investigative integrity. Like I'm a lay person watching a story I'd never heard of. And it's like, I'm sitting here with, I have so many questions Mm -hmm. and none of those are being answered. But then you have time to do these, like you mentioned, these bullshit ass shots that are (laughs) like, no, answer some of these questions. I have a million questions about how this happened and where did this person go? It just feels like these things are being produced at breakneck speed. And I really needed a Robert Stack type character to come in there and be like, yes, there uh, needed to be a narrator. Update. (laughs) Something. Um, But you know, this series is in conjunction in conjunction with Blumhouse uh, Television. So... There were intriguing things. There are intriguing things. The Dorothea one, I think, was... the 
I think the f most fascinating. I think the best one is episode one, Call Me Grandma. But, you know, again, I watched all of them. It wasn't grossing, but, um, but then getting back to just the topic of roommates, you know, it's really easy to watch things like this and go, she's so stupid. How could she blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you really don't know. Sure. And, you know, we've had how many people live with us over the years, like a number of people. And it's like, we really didn't know these people. Well, maybe one, we, we, we knew one mm -hmm. who I felt comfortable with. Yeah. But the the others were strangers, effectively, yeah. when we first met they, them. They came in, they were interviewed, and... And it's just like, yeah, you p people can say all the right things, and they can provide you with whatever, but it's like, at the well, end of the day... And it's looking back on some of them where there were behavioral kind of issues that came up. If, if you look back on it... You did. You did see red flags about some of them. There, or there would be people that be like, "Oh, that's curious. You don't have any social media, okay? You that like uh, drama seems to follow you. You know, in their background stories, in the details they would give, you could still see a pattern." It's yes, that's right. Looking back on some people who were, because I did have to ask two people to leave. You sure did. And yes, you're right. Looking back, it's like, oh, that's curious that you, yeah. Because one person always felt like they were being watched and they were always like they they painted this picture like they were just so desirable that everywhere they go, people harass them. Somebody's following me home. And like, let me tell you right now. No, they're not. No, they weren't. They were they were looking they, like they were hoping you were going to move your car so they could park there. That's what they were doing. This was girl. also a person that thought he was on. Um, you know, you know what I think really worried me was a couple weeks after this person moved in and claimed to be on a personal friend of. Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga and was calling her Stephanie. Yeah. He, I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yes, in hindsight, but I think, you know, I don't want to shame like, you know, watching the, the, the series, it, of course we're rolling our eyes and laughing, but it's like, you really don't, you really don't know people. No. And I even think we were out, we were out a few weeks ago and I was talking to someone about like, when you date people, do you check their ID? Mm-hmm. And it's like, some of y'all are out here, like, letting people ejaculate inside of you on a regular basis. You're giving them access to all of your personal shit because you let them stay in your house. Like, and you don't even, you didn't even verify their name. Mm -hmm. You've never seen their identification. You've never checked their background. You've never checked to see they work where they say they work. Like, you don't know how much money they make. There are couples who don't, you know, like... They've been together for a while and they have never, because they never, they, they haven't purchased anything together. It's like, you've never even seen your significant other's ID. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they make every two weeks or whatever you get paid. Like you, like you don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of fascinating that we will allow people into our lives, like a roommate situation. And we've been very fortunate that we didn't get killed or whatever, oh. or, or robbed or, you know, there were never any like super bad anything no but and most of it was pleasant and beneficial but and interesting <laughs> interesting there's a social experiment we were a little gay mecca in a certain area and, and yeah but um yeah it, it is scary to think that people can become so involved in your life just and and, and you really have no well in this case for this docuseries no recourse like the law protects people in a way that can make a situation like a bad roommate just go on forever. And, and you know, it's too bad there wasn't kind of an episode 
fe- featuring homosexuals because there's there are specific things to living with gay men that gay men do that are there are there are risky behaviors that uh, that kind of give a heightened sense of being unsettled as well. Well, I think you're talking about gay culture and like hookup. Well, yeah, like, I mean, like hookup culture. Just having people over to your house that you don't know at all. Like, like really. Well, that's an inter. I mean, yeah, you know, many people, and and you know, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people do this, but I only am most familiar with gay men, and I think like yeah, for gay men, it's very common to invite a stranger over, someone you have no clue who they are, have not met in public, have never met in public. You've only seen photos they've sent you, and you will invite them over to your home at odd hours mm-hmm. to have sex with you, mm-hmm. and that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that was something that I was very concerned about having people in our house. Oh, because they, yeah, that was happening. Yeah. And yeah, and it was happening and it was just kind of like, you don't know this person, but it is an interesting um, thing to think about because the culture also supports that behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you'll introduce someone, you know, like like if you, like if, like if you hook up with someone and then your friends happen to bump into them or whatever, you introduce them like they're your friend or you mm-hmm. know them, and it's like, but you don't, mm-hmm. and we're never going to see them again. And yet, it's like this sort of accepted thing that this is normal. There was one person that was egregiously like it was confusing uh, to me because a lot of people, I think, I it was at the fifth or sixth friend or brother. That I was like, oh, by this he means you don't know him at all. But <laughs> yeah, so we started to learn that yeah, there was one person who would hook up with a lot of people. Well, would have a lot of new people over. Yeah, and he would refer to them as either his friend or his brother. Mm-hmm. And then we started to learn that friend meant rando hookup. Yeah, and brother meant friend. Yeah, but initially we were like, oh, this is like your family. Yeah. But then it, but then it became like, it reminded and then one time one of them was Asian and this person was not Asian. So yeah. then I was really confused. Like, Oh, like you're not adopt, like adopted. What? That's, it reminded me of when I first went to college at university and I went, there was a, a very, uh, there was a frat house, uh, on campus. And I remember it was the first week and I went to this, a frat party and then all of these men going like, Oh I'm so-and-so, and and this is my brother. And it took me a couple clicks to be like, oh, they mean, I'm not, because I remember being like, oh, your brother's here too? How interesting. Right, it was very confusing. uh, (laughs) No. But yeah, after a while realizing like, oh, this is sort of code, and it's it's substantial that there are a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It it, it is interesting because I think it creates this environment where, you know, I don't have many friends at all, but... There, there was another renter. Sorry, go, go with. No, I was just gonna say, even though I don't have many friends, the, the 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 few friends I do have and people I've known, like it creates this environment where it's like, oh, you're introducing me to someone who you're quote unquote dating, and over time, I've just learned to kind of not be invested in people, mm-hmm. like, uh, like it, it, the people who I consider my friends, I'm invested in them, but meaning like when they start dating people, it, or they bring people around. It's like, well, I'm not going to really even try to remember your name mm-hmm. until maybe y'all sign a lease somewhere because it's like, yeah, people just introduce people like they're like you just had sex with this stranger who you bumped into again. And now it's like you're introducing them to me like they mean something to you. And I don't think people realize like 
over time, it just creates a portrait of an individual that's like not necessarily favorable because mm-hmm. you seem, I like the word flitty. I don't know what it means. But, flitty. But you seem flitty. Like, okay. But you were going to say there's another person. There was another roommate, uh, roommate, renter. <laughs> there's another rent. Oh, can we talk about that? Because yeah, sometimes let's... I would always feel like, because people would say like, oh, that's your roommate. And it's like, well, this person rents a room in the house I own. <laughs> I'm the landowner. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, there was another person. Well, somebody got really offended that I said that I corrected them once. Uh, oh. That I was like, no, I'm the landlord technically. And they were like, I don't like that. I was like, well, I don't care. Okay. okay, well, I'm not bothered that you anyway. don't. Anyway, there was a person uh, who was very sketchy about their background uh, as it comes to find. Uh, and things didn't always add up in their timeline. But uh, he was dating somebody. So we met the boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And then this other man started showing up randomly all the time. And sometimes the boyfriend and this new man would like barely Barely cross paths. That and was it, very stressful. And it was clear that the, the boyfriend number one didn't know about the other much older one. And... Uh, there were strange mix-ups sometimes, like this, this renter bought them both cologne for Christmas and then mixed up who got what. <laughs> you know, I will say that living in that situation for four and a half years really provided me, you know, because I do have a lot of experience with gay men, but then I think our living situation for that four and a half years, it like you said, it was a really interesting experiment because... We got to see, it's just interesting watching people like in their natural habitat, right? Because gay men in particular present in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. And then they, um, yeah, just like experiencing how people live and the way they operate. And particularly when it comes to friends and romance. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you don't seem to put a lot of effort into these things. Right. So so then it's like, you know, the let you tell it, it like it's just so hard to this and that. And it's like, but you don't really let do. let you tell it, you're a Jane Austen heroine and really But really you kinda just You're just a slag. You kinda just hang out and then you just hook up with randos all the time. Like, I mean, that's why you haven't accomplished much in the romance department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, no romance without finance, but... Wow. What do you... You want to say something? The definition of flitty. Yeah, what does flitty mean? Flitty. The archaic definition as an adjective is unstable and fluttering. But the second definition is... The second definition is ostentatiously homosexual. Oh! So I I am correct. (laughs) Not just homosexual. Ostentatiously (laughs) homosexual. Yeah. So, I don't... It's... It would be, you know, I'm glad that there were a lot of benefits to that living situation for the the, the time we did it, um, mo- monetary benefits, and also meeting some sweet people and like uh, <clears throat> having, you know, there were many times when it was nice having someone there, right, to talk to, to hang out well, with. Well, you know what it does, it, it, there, it's a blessing and a curse because I, I think that there are, t- you know, depending on what's going on in your life, you kind of have to keep it together because you're responsible for other people. Uh, and, well, you're you're responsible for the milieu, like the the, the tone that, of the milieu, the, yeah. The atmosphere of the house. So it's like, oh, I can't be having a nervous breakdown right now, which, uh, you know, 
probably served me personally well during certain things happening in my yeah. life. But, but at the same time, it's also like to, to reveal something a little more into like to work on ourselves as a couple, I felt was more difficult because we didn't have the private space that we really needed to probably work on some things, you know? Yeah. I mean that I, I, I would say the biggest, uh, sort of, uh, side downside would be not having privacy. And then I think spending a lot of time, like you said, managing the atmosphere that I think a lot of things just didn't like there, there was rarely an opportunity for us to just like let it all out. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes if you don't have extended periods of letting it all out, you're just always kind of holding something in and holding back a little bit. Yeah. On top of just always like, we're both very busy and there's a lot going on and like, you know, for those four years, it felt like there was just no time to unwind kind of. I agree. I agree. But ultimately, I think it was a good situation. I, yeah, yeah. Like, like beneficial in the end. Um, and at first it was kind of enjoyable because it was a new thing and it was like, oh, all these. Well, yeah, because for the first, how long? For, for the first. The first two years, I'd say. Were well, probably. no, I was going to say for the first nine, like eight or nine years of our relationship, we just lived alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then this scenario was just something that, well, first of all, we didn't need a five bedroom house. Right. But we bought a five bedroom house. Mm-hmm. So then that started us thinking of the options. And so, you know, we could have had a, a yours, mine and ours, Lucille Ball, uh, Henry Fonda sitcom. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting and, you know, people would often sort of be like surprised and confused and amused by our living situation. But. I, you know, I, I think we both really enjoy, I think we both really enjoy, uh, aspects of life that are like unique. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like a unique living situation, a unique, uh, experience, like just in general, unique experiences, like things that other people that may not work for other people. I think we often think like that could work for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I, are you trying to say that we aren't basic B-I-T-C-H-E-S's? Sure. Sure. Jane? Yeah, oftentimes I feel like the things that we do, people are like... Okay. Like, okay, that, you know, like, that's not normal. And to me, it's like, well, why not? Like, I mean, what's the big deal? God, I don't want to be normal. Or it's also like, you know, the amount of money we collected letting people live in our house was substantial. So it's like... Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. People would always say, like, weird things about that. But it's like, we were getting a lot of money and you know, we were already making good money and it was just like a lot of extra money to do other things with, which ultimately allowed us to then move to something different to an, in an area we like. Yeah. It's, you know, it's always the, you got to let a, a little bit of air out of your tires sometimes. Or we could have stayed in that house too. I mean, we were, comfor- we, yeah, we, we, we were could've. comfortable there. It wasn't like the house was that it was just a weird house because it was like all these bedrooms we don't need. Well, and the neighbors were trash, but the neighbors were trash. Um, but anyway, that was a long, we, we talked a lot. What's happening this week? Oh, God. There's so many releases this week, but um, I'm excited to see X tomorrow, the Ty West film. Oh, Ty West already filmed a prequel to this movie I was reading. Oh, wow. Uh, but I'm excited for X. Uh, the Lost City with Sandra Bullock. That's That press screening I'll be seeing this week is for that. Um, Uma with uh, Sandra Oh is this week. 
Uh, we still have to review Deep Water. Um, God, oh, there's a couple uh, Netflix things I'm excited about, including Black Crab with uh, Numi Rapace. That that series, uh, Bad Vegan. Um, I, I you didn't get back to me about whether you want to see Master with Regina Hall, uh, Ahead's Knee. Well, there's so many things. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of things this week, but uh, so we'll see what I can manage. We'll get through them as best we can. Do you have anything else you want to say? Are you reading anything? Uh, the back of uh, the the cereal box. <laughs> oh, well, I finished reading Patricia Highsmith's Deep Water in anticipation for the film, which I really liked. Uh, the the book. Okay. Uh, I haven't read Highsmith since probably college when I went when I ripped through all the uh, talented Miss Ripley series, who is a queer character. Uh, you okay. know, because I, I believe she was a lesbian. She wrote Carol uh, under a pseudonym because the the lesbian content. Uh, and it's interesting to think of a woman, which we should probably say this through the review, a woman writing a, a male character like that. Hmm. In the you know because the. The villain really is the woman in deep water. Like, your, your sympathies lie with the husband. Yes. And to think that a woman wrote that in 1957, like, she was so interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that later. But uh, I'm reading Doris Lessing's Briefing for a Descent into Hell. Oh, God. Which is interesting so far. But um, I wanted to share a Doris Lessing quote, uh, which I think is fitting considering uh, recent events in Florida. Okay. Uh, Ideally, what should be said to every child repeatedly throughout his or her school life is something like this. You are in the process of being indoctrinated. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) That would have been helpful to know. Um, Although there were things that made me feel like, like saying the Pledge of Allegiance always felt like, are y'all trying to cast a spell on me? Well, this doesn't seem right. It always felt like after watching things like The Lion King and, and you know, I read things ahead of my time. I was like, this feels fascist. But, well, I uh, just remember thinking liberty which, and justice for all does not seem to make sense to me. I don't know why you're making me say this. Well, and then as, <laughs> as a child, I started becoming anti-religious and being like, I don't want to say under God. There were times where I refused to say the pledge, actually, now that I recall it, and there would be a point of contention. Oh, I, I never said the pledge, but I would stand up because in my little mind, I thought, well, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm not going to say these words that don't mean, like, it doesn't mean anything to me yeah like i'm not a robot thank you uh but you know what really saved me besides being gay i think was uh books yeah it was all 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 the books i read and the truth that you can find in literature yeah the truth is out there if you try to find it um well we need to stop the recording anything else uh no bye